Welcome to No Sanity Required. Uh, today is going to be a kind of a, a tough, in a good way, good, good, but a, a tough conversation for me. We just saw our oldest daughter, Kilby, and her husband, Greg, back off to serve in East Africa um, after having them home for a while. And so I'm pretty reflective today. <clears throat> I'm recording this on Friday, a couple days before it drops, and uh, we drove them to the airport yesterday, spent spent the day with them. And so I'm pretty reflective, uh, just thinking about things uh, and thought I'd share some of that with you. Sometimes I think with a minimum preparation for uh, an episode or just to, to to sit down and just sort of hash out some thoughts and feelings, that's what I want to do. I'm hoping that this will be encouraging and helpful for particularly for young parents as we look back on uh, Kilby's life up to this point and see some things that we did right, definitely some things we did wrong, and and see God's grace regardless. And I think that's going to be the overarching theme is rely on and live in the grace of the Lord as a parent and know that you're going to get some things right and you're going to get some things wrong at the end of uh, your life, at the end of each season of life. It is the Lord's faithfulness that will be great, that will be consistent, and that will guide you. I hope today is an encouragement. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and welcome to No Sanity Required. Welcome to No Sanity Required, from the ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. Well, I want to just take <clears throat> some time here. I don't know how long this is going to take. I really don't, and uh, and I don't have everything mapped out. I did jot down a few thoughts and notes just kind of in journal format as I'm thinking about where we are as a family. I, I'd mentioned to y'all over the last few weeks that I, I really wanted to get Greg on, on the podcast, uh, my son-in-law, and wanted to get Kilby on the podcast, talk about the work they're doing in East Africa. We'll come back to that at the end, and I'll give you an overview and update of, of what this next term, this next stint is going to look like for them so that you can pray effectively, follow along. Uh, definitely you can follow on social media. They have a, a good presence and footprint there, and they are good about updating, keeping people in the loop on, on what's going on. So we'll definitely talk about some of that at the end. But last night I'm driving back from the airport, <clears throat> and if you've ever – I know some of our listeners um, – you've taken a kid off to college or you've walked a kid down the aisle, a daughter, or, um, or you have got a child that's, that's turned away from the Lord or that maybe you came to faith later in life. Um, and so, you know, those, we, we all, as parents, we know those feelings and associations, even if, you know, let's say that you've got a child that lives right down the road from you. They didn't go far from home. Um, they're grown and now they've started their life. It's, it's still difficult seeing our children, you know, hit adulthood. That's hard, man. Even if they live next door, um, and hard in a different way, if they still live under the same roof as you, it might be time to move them out, kick them out, get them moving on down the, on down the road. But, um, what I've learned is that parenting is difficult, but it's so rewarding. And today I want to talk Really, I, w- I think this will be more um, helpful and uh, maybe, maybe uh, my prayer is it will be helpful and applicable to younger parents. Maybe you've got kids still at home, um, especially if you're just starting out. You've got babies or toddlers or, or, or younger kids. Here's some things. I guess I'm going to go at this 
um, a couple of ways. One, reflecting on um, where we are as parents, Little and I, what where we are as parents and and what what our life has been like to this point. We still got, you know, I still got a 10-year-old at the house, so we still got a ways to go to be to be out of the parenting phase. But some things I wish I'd have known, like if I could go back, speak to my you know, 25-year-old self, 27-year-old self, and say, hey, here's some things that will be helpful. I want to tell you all those things today. I want to I do that with you. And I'm hoping that this will be an encouragement to you, especially if you're a young parent. So let's just get into this. Uh, let me tell you a little bit of the story of um, of my uh, of my oldest daughter Kilby and raising her. And um, she she was born when we were about uh, let's see we were about three years into Snowbird's existence. So she grew up with Snowbird like literally. She grew up like when she came along. Um, nobody that's at Snowbird now was here when Kilby was born. And we have some people that have been at Snowbird for twenty three years. You know and um, coming up on their 23rd year, and she's getting ready to turn 23. And so our oldest, longest-tenured um, team members have been here since the summer of 2000, and she was born in the spring of 2000. So there's nobody serving here that knew life before Kilby for Snowbird or for Little and I. So she grew up with the ministry, and I can remember things that, that I encourage younger parents to do that I would encourage you to do. Like I remember praying for her future husband, even when she was a baby, an infant, when she was even in the womb, praying for God's guidance on her life. Your prayer, the first, so the first thing that I would encourage young parents to do is pray consistently for your children. Pray for your kids. And this is something you can do when your kids are even older and grown. And maybe you feel like, man, they're gone and I can't do anything to to change the mistakes I made. You can pray for them. But as if you pray for your kids when they're young, here's what I've found to be true. If I'm praying for them, then I'm automatically bringing accountability into how I'm raising them. So if I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, would you please be with my kid? Would you please guide my, my son or my daughter? Would you um, you know, grow them in wisdom, lead them to faith, uh, keep them from the snares and pitfalls of the devil or the world or the flesh, then if I'm praying those prayers, then it aligns and, and brings in tune my heart with the heart of the Lord and then gives me another layer of accountability as a parent. So if I'm saying, Lord, please keep my child, you know, keep them from falling into the trap of, let's say, uh, uh, you know, um, the wrong influence from a friend or or their peer group, or Lord, please don't let my child go down the path of addiction, or please keep them from pornography, then that's going to guide the way that I like guard them, the parameters I set for them. So I found early on that uh, an active prayer life for my kid, uh, it helps me with my own decision-making. So I'm not making arbitrary rules. I'm not just coming up with do's and don'ts, but I'm, I'm praying for them. And those prayers bring me to a place of sensitivity for their life. I hope that makes sense. Um, so I'm praying for them, praying, for, you know, back to when I, when I would pray for Kilby's husband, when I pray now for my, my current kids, uh, not current kids, but as I'm currently praying for my kids um, who are still at home or who are not yet married, I pray for their future spouse. Then it helps me give them guidance and and even think about the influences that I'm going to allow into their lives. And 
I think pr- praying for them is so helpful, not just in um, in asking the Lord and then trusting that he's going to provide for them, but it's helpful in guiding the way that I parent them. <clears throat> so prayer is prayer is layered it's multifaceted it has it has multiple effects and impacts on on my child um i i let them see me pray i think it's important for them to see and hear you pray over them a lot of parents are intimidated by praying over their kids let them hear you even if you don't know how to talk to god if you're a new christian or you're just new to this whole thing of following jesus or new to parenting let them hear you pray work it out in front of in front of them now there's some things that you need to pray behind closed doors, you know, as you're seeking certain wisdom and and counsel from the Lord. But let them see that you're a person who prays. For me, thinking back to the way this worked with Kilby, I would pray by her bed at night when I tucked her in. I would pray for her. Done this with each of my kids. Pray for them. Pray for them when they're, you know, when I'm going out the door in the morning or when we're, you know, like when they're loading up to head to school. Uh, Pray for them. Um, early mornings are were always such an important time. I think getting up, walking through the house, praying, sitting in the house, praying. Right now, I've got uh, I've got someone living. We have someone living in our home right now. So my normal morning prayer and study and devotion place is the kitchen table, and uh and it's been, it's kind of been taken over by someone uh, right now, which I am not begrudging at all. Um, thrilled to see someone with the word open at my kitchen table in the morning but um my morning routine I don't get into the word right away the the other person that's in the house right now um is at the kitchen table in the morning usually I think rolls right out of bed throws a blanket over the shoulders and sits down and starts reading I get up I've got a routine I go through um some some thoughts that I go through uh I take you know I, I take a shower in the morning jump in the cold shower and and uh, it's an exercise in toughness, you know. And by the time I sit down, um, uh, you know, I'm 20, 30 minutes in, probably 20 minutes into my day. By the time I sit down and start studying, read, to kind of get my mind alert and awake. And so I do that uh, early before everyone's up. I think that's important, walking through the house, praying through the house, praying in my bedroom, over the house. It's kind of cool. I'm at the highest point in the house, our bedroom. And so I think that's good. I think one thing that was cool uh, – when I look back, um, I remember th- being having this intentional. I want you know, Kilby was an early riser. I want her to when she comes in the living room to see me with my Bible open and in prayer, um, like to to know this is what my dad does in the mornings. I think that's important. Um, so that that I don't think you can put. I don't think I can put a high enough emphasis and premium on. Rise early, pray for your child. When you when they lie down at night, kneel by the bed and pray for your child. Pray over them, pray for them, pray in front of them, pray behind their backs, pray, 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 and trust the Lord. He's faithful, and oftentimes our prayers align our heart with the heart of God. Um, next thing that we did that I think is is um something that that needs to be considered, and that is um. Count the cost of raising a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Count, and, and, and maybe count the cost of raising a child with a love for Jesus. It sounds wonderful. Let's teach them to love Jesus. Let's teach them to pray. Let's say these little memorized childhood prayers, and they are wonderful, and I love that. You know, now I lay me down to sleep, or God is um, great, God is good, uh, whatever. 
Um, but and and then I think it is important to teach them how to talk to God, not just in a memorized prayer. But there's nothing wrong. I I personally do not think there's anything wrong with teaching those little memorized prayers. I know a lot of people criticize that, but man, teaching them in a childlike way to talk to Jesus, it's awesome. Um, but count the cost of raising them to love Jesus because it's going to co- it could cost you a child that goes to the mission field. It could cost you a child that goes into ministry. It could cost you a child that doesn't care about the riches and wealth of this world. You know what I mean? It could raising a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, raising a child to follow Jesus, to love his word, um, I, that's, I, I'll never forget Kilby coming to me one time. She was about six years old and she said, daddy, you get up in the morning and I come in there. I see that you drink coffee and read your Bible. Can I do that? Well, man, that was like, so like, oh my goodness. I remember my heart being overwhelmed with joy. So years later when she's leaving to go to the mission field, I, I wasn't surprised and I didn't have to then get my heart ready. Now, don't get me wrong. It is so hard. There are tears shed. There is a weightiness that we live with, little and I. There's a heaviness for in the heart of a mama. But then I think, man, how many moms and dads do we talk to whose, whose adult children are not walking with the Lord? They've turned away from the faith. And I think, man, okay, Kilby's on the other side of the world taking the gospel to people that need Jesus and need to be loved in a, in a hard, difficult place. She could be living next door and not walking with Jesus. And that would be much harder. That would be so much more difficult. Um, so, uh, I think you got to prepare yourself and then expose them to missions. Um, first Honduras trip that I took Kilby on first mission trip was to Honduras, you know, for years we took up until COVID we took a trip down every year to an orphanage in Honduras, and we did these, basically run a week of camp for these kids. And, man, I think I took her with me before, even before uh, Little had gone. I went I went down there a time or two, and then Kilby went with me and with a group from Snowbird. And then that became kind of a pattern for parents on our staff to take their children. And I mean, eventually our whole family went. My kids grew up going there. I think that's very important for them, a cross-cultural experience. So I would add that as something that I would tell my young self or that I would say to young parents, get your kids somewhere other than Disney, somewhere other than Dollywood, somewhere other than, uh, you know, not. there's nothing wrong with going on family vacation. That's not what I'm saying. Um, we do that. We go to we, – we get a lake house every year for a week uh, when my kids are on spring break, and we, we have a ball with that. But I'm saying implement or add in trips to, to – to uncomfortable places, out of the country ideally, but if not, um, then maybe to serve in a ministry, uh, to do something with her, giving up themselves. Um, her second trip, uh, she went to, actually, she went on that Honduras trip several times. And I remember we're there one year, and she said, Daddy, I love being here and coming here, but I really want to go to India. She wanted to go to India, and, and it was, we had we had some folks serving in India We've always had snowbird people serving in India, and at the time we had someone from SWO serving over there, Lena Goff, who is Lena is now serving in um, Southeast Asia. But at the time she was serving in South Asia, um, it was before she'd got married, and and uh, so we went to see her. And my deal to Kilby was, you got to raise your own money. It's going to cost about, you know, I think it's going to cost a couple thousand dollars 
to go. And I ended up, I think I even said, you and me and your mama will go, but you got to pay your way and your mama's way, something like that. And she'll be spent about a year, raised that money, man. Over the next year, her little 11-year-old self, 10, 11-year-old self came up with, it's crazy to think about, but she came up with, you know, three or $4,000, spoke to a couple of women's groups at churches and raised that money. So we went to Mumbai. And then the second deal was, Okay, you got to pay your own way. Then when we get there, you got to tell people about Jesus. We ain't gonna go over there and just walk around and see the sights, you know. We ain't gonna go over there and just um, do a humanitarian trip. We're gonna go walk around, and tell people in the slums about Jesus, and that's what she did. We got pictures of that um, that that still are near and dear to my heart. And then, um, so I that would be something I would I would encourage um, to take your child in, into a, a cross cultural experience. And I know some people are uncomfortable with that you don't have to fly 19 hours to mumbai india you could take them to um somewhere uh, you know in the states there's uh, there are large communities in clarkson georgia there are large areas of new york city that are cross-cultural um south florida in miami there's some places um and let them you know maybe link up with some ministries that are doing cross-cultural work and get them exposed early and and then get them exposed early and often and my buddy hank who's been on the podcast, Hank and Wendy, uh, before they came on staff at Snowbird, they would take their kids uh, to, to do work in an orphanage in Central America each year. And uh, so, so helpful. And such a good experience for a kid. Uh, like, you know, when Kilby graduated from high school, she had been to Honduras. She had been to Uganda. She had been to Holland. She had been to um, India. Is that it? Four countries, yeah. And then she had been to like uh, on like a you know a vacation into Mexico, but that I don't think I count that. So she had been to four. Oh no, no, she had been to Portugal and Spain. So six countries. So when she graduated from high school, she had legit been to six countries. I'm talking about legitimately went into these countries, um, and I think it gave her such a broader view of the world, um, even if she you know, ends up serving and living back in Andrews or at SWO, she sees the world through a, a lens that I think is important for a person to see it through, and that is a lens of personal experience. Uh, her sophomore uh, summer in high school, she spent with a missions team uh, for six weeks overseas, went to this really cool two-week training in New York City, um, and then spent uh, a month with a, a missionary overseas, and that was a program through the International Mission Board. Um, exposing them to stuff like that is so good. Um, the next thing that I would that I would encourage young parents to do is journal, journal about your parenting. Write down stories and experiences. You know, now we live in such a so much gets captured on video with our phones. But I wrote out and journaled so much of their uh, their young lives. Um, and then the the. Uh, the next thing would be uh, we used a verse in our home, and we use it now. It's from Romans 12, and it says, um, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And we would talk about the need to love one another well and show one another honor and be preferential towards each other show each other preference and be gracious and extend grace and really emphasize family relationships and showing honor 
Um, we're that's been a struggle now with our second wave of kids. It seems like it for whatever reason it's been it's been tougher to teach that. I don't know why, but it it is proven to be a little tougher. But we're committed to it. And we're intentional with it. Teach them to be kind and gracious and honorable to each other. Um. Now I want to talk. Uh, I want to shift a little bit here and talk about some things that we did right and some things that we did wrong. Some things that we did right and some things that we did wrong. I've already said, pray for your kids. Pray for their future spouse. Pray for their. I think pray for their war against sin. Disciple them. Teach them biblical theology. Things like that. Some. Let me let me, let me sort of narrow this down to uh, this. These are not exhaustive lists. Again, I'm kind of shooting from the hip, coming home from the airport, and uh, and thinking about man. I just put. We just put our our daughter and son in law on a plane where we won't see them for a couple of years. I, I might not see them for a couple of years. Um, Lord willing, we'll be able to go over and see them, but we don't know that, and um, can't get to them in a hurry if we wanted to. You know, if something happens, if I, if 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 there's a a, a family um, catastrophe, you know, a, a family goes through a difficult experience, they can't just come home. You know, it's it's a big ordeal for them to even get here. Um, and so. In in that context, uh, I don't know, it make, makes you really self-evaluate. So let me give you some considerations, things we did right, things we did wrong. Um, now, let me, let me say this. When you think about your own childhood and you look back critically, because we're going to get into some of that, like reflecting on the way you were raised and doing some things differently, doing some things the same, be objective and be gracious, but be realistic. Um I know that my kids, it's funny, they'll talk about how tough I was on them, how hard I was on them, how, you know, like, uh, there's a saying that you might have heard, when, some, when when one of them would be hurt, I would say, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. You know, they're bleeding, they got to get stitches, or they got a broken bone, it'll feel better when it stops hurting. Like, man, that seems so, why couldn't you be more <laughs> gentle? And I, I'm, I was gentle with my kids, if they're bleeding, or there you got a broken bone, I would, you know, I'm I'm not going to just say, ah, I'll just rub some dirt on it, you'll be all right. Like, I, mean, I spent nights in the ER, and I remember Kilby falling at the playground in Andrews in downtown one time. She was about three, and she took a head-first dive into a landscaping timber and cracked her head, and it was bleeding like crazy. That little blonde hair was, was crimson. And we had been, we got there, I had one of those big off-roading type jogger strollers and i i would take her on these long rucks or runs where i would i would exercise while taking her out you know and so she's about two or three years old she could talk i know she was old enough to talk and 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 play at the playground so we we went downtown to the playground so we're on foot we're at the playground and um she falls hits her head and it's bleeding like crazy and so i scoop her up and i couldn't put her in the in the stroller, even though it's a lot easier way to carry her, but I needed to I needed to take her down to the ER, which was about a mile away. Um, I think a mile, maybe more than that. If you know the town of Andrews, I mean, I'm right in the middle of town, and it's all the way on the far end of town. It's not a big town; it's tiny. But I got to get her down, so I'm ca- I, I, I'm carrying her. I carry her a mile to the ER so that we could get her head, you know, get some stitches and get her, you know, get it bandaged and everything. And um, but so, so I don't want to paint the picture that I was like, suck it up, you'll be fine. But at the same time, you know, pushed them to be tough. Don't, you know, don't, don't let physical pain control, you know, the rest of your day. Like, embrace it, it hurts, get over it kind of thing. 
And sometimes they'll give me a hard time about that. I'm like, yeah, but you're tough. Y'all are tough. Like, you came through it fine, and I never let you bleed out. You know, like, give me some grace here. Yeah, I was maybe a little too hard on you. I didn't baby or coddle you. Maybe I took it too far, but you're tough. Like with Kilby, I think, you live in a place where you cook on charcoal. You don't have electricity 50% of the time. You don't have running water. You know, it's 120 degrees, and you sleep behind a, under a mosquito net, and you've had malaria four times in the last two years. Like, you're tough, and it's working out, and you're gritty, and why? Why would like, like, why would we do things differently? So, so be gracious. I'm all the time telling my kids, "Give me a break." I'm, I was figuring it out as we went, you know. Um, and so, look, look at your own childhood. And say, okay, what were the things that were done right? What were the things that were done poorly? You know, and for some of us, those it's it's a, a thin line. Like you grew up in a family that loved the Lord. Your mom and dad stayed married. They didn't split up. But there's some things they could have done better. They could have, you know, maybe guarded what you watched more or um, been more um, focused on the scripture. You know, or or it's like maybe they were too religiously motivated and driven and. You didn't get to experience any, you know, so strict, whatever. But just be gracious. Don't be judgmental of your parents. Look at, you know, what the Lord might teach you through your upbringing and, and make the most of that. I think that's uh, very important. Um, yeah, so so learn from their mistakes. Learn from what things did they do poorly, what things did they do in a way that you want to make sure you don't repeat that. Um, like for me, my dad, what my tail, he punished me corporately. That means, you know, he, he gave me whoopings, whippings, spankings, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, up into my teenage years. Well, we made a decision to, to, to pretty much curb that after about age seven, eight, somewhere in there, and to begin to shift towards other methods of disciplinary action. You know, doesn't mean I think doesn't doesn't mean that I live with regret over how my dad did things just hey let's do things a little differently um another thing would be my parents you know were real strict on what we were allowed to watch listen to see things like that like we couldn't listen to secular music well we've chosen to we we play we enjoy a lot of secular music um and but there's also parameters and limits there's things that we're not going to let them listen to so learn from your own childhood both positively and negatively. There's things you want to not repeat. Um, but then zoom out and see the hand of the Lord in your situation. You know, I think of of a woman named Ann who served at Snowbird for seven years, and, and her mom was a, a drug addict who ended up dying of an overdose. And Ann was, man, her story is such a, a story of grace, God's grace, and but also of Ann's toughness and and willingness to do whatever it took to to separate herself from that kind of life, and now she's raising an amazing family of her own, has an awesome husband, and um, so don't let your childhood define you. Learn from it, move on, see the grace of God in it. Don't 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 mull around, you know, holding grudges and being like like just being mad about the way you were raised. Um, zoom out, see the hand of the Lord, and build a plan that you can stick to in how you're going to raise your kids. Maybe you come up with a set of principles or rules, and we've addressed this in some other parenting episodes. Maybe, who knows, well, maybe we'll follow this up. You, depending on the feedback, I might follow this episode up in the near future. 
with a, a more like bullet point list of some goals and plans that that we walked through there that we put in place and but if, as you build parenting plans and strategies you want to build something that's attainable achievable that you can stick to but also be willing to adjust as you learn like this is important know what you don't know you don't know everything it's funny when uh i it's funny when when a young adult will will teach will try to tell their parents what they did wrong and how they could have parented better well you need to wait until you've raised your own kids it's not as easy as it looks you know um so know what you don't know um build a plan that you can stick to but but also one that you're willing to you know adjust guard against child idolatry the lord gave them to us to raise he did not give them to us to worship they're not here for me to worship. They're here for me to raise and, and to, to point to Jesus and to send out into the world to make a difference for the gospel. Along with that is don't live vicariously through them. You know, like their their life is their life. And so I want to set them up to be, uh, you know, effective witnesses of the uh, of, of the the grace of Jesus. Um, but then I want, if they're, if they're a standout athlete, I want to maximize their potential as an athlete. If they're, you know, right here, I think I, w- I want to give a personal, something that, I, that I've learned and that I think the Lord graciously helped us do and do well. Um, we did a lot of things really poorly, but something with my first two kids, and I've said this to my other kids, but the first two with Kilby and Tuck, and it was this. I want to enable you to achieve your maximum potential, to pursue your greatest dreams, to lead the, to, to follow the Lord's leading and calling on your life. I don't want to be a hindrance to that, so I want to do my part to help you get there, but I'm not going to live vicariously through you. So what what that looks like, for instance, with Tuck, my 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 second born. As you know, Tuck is a Division One athlete, and he's he's got a world of potential and, and an incredible future in front of him if he stays healthy and the Lord continues to give him the right opportunities. But I remember having a conversation with him where I said, hey, man, you, he, he, he was saying, he was like a freshman in high school. He's like, I want to play at the next level. I said, okay, I'm not going to hinder you from that. In fact, I'm going to do everything in my power and at every every resource at my disposal is going to be used to get you to the next level, to help you achieve your goals. But I'm not going to live vicariously through you. I'm not going to turn this sport into an idol for you. So let's be realistic. And if you want to go all out, we'll go all out and we'll get you there. But at the end of the day, this is not what defines you. What defines you is who you are as a man, who you are when it comes to things like work ethic. What kind of a friend are you? What kind of a son are you? What kind of a teammate are you? What kind of a student are you? How do you see the world? So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn this sport into an an article of worship and life consuming. Like man, it's it's not it's a sport. It's a game. There's a lot of value and worth in it, but it's not the defining characteristic of your life. So that's important. And I remember just saying to him, I will drive as many miles as I need to drive as long as your as long as your opportunities are there. So I'm not going to put you on a travel a travel team, travel ball, you know, take travel baseball, travel basketball. I'm not going to put you on a travel team 
where we every one of our weekends is consumed going all over the country to try to get you recruited. I'm not going to compromise every aspect of our lives. However, as doors open up, we'll walk through them, and as you as as those doors continue to open up, we'll continue to walk through them. So for us, what that turned into is in football, we would go to these camps and combines, Under Armour, Nike, Rivals, ESPN, Adidas. And then as long as he would do really well, it would open up more doors and, and windows for him to, to go through. And I would drive, and we would we'd make a family day of it. I remember multiple um, one-day events, these three-hour combines, which are like basically like uh, a combine is where you're competing against other elite athletes at things like the 40-yard dash, the, 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 these different – timed drills, the L cone drill, the 5-10, 5-20-yard shuttle, um, vertical jump, broad jump. But then you're also competing as a wide receiver. He's competing against other kids who are really good defensive backs. As long as he's doing well and advancing, we keep going forward with it. What I wasn't going to do is be unrealistic. And, like, pretty quick, it's like, like, like let's take basketball. He was, on a tr- he was on a basketball team where he was traveling to some tournaments and it became evident pretty early, like ninth grade, that, you know what, the potential and the ceiling is a lot higher with football than it is with basketball. And he was feeling that too, I think, and we were guiding him in that direction. So we'll carry this thing out. But but be realistic. It's like, man, he's playing public school 1A, 1A, 2A, 3A is where he's competing basketball, and he's doing great. He's scoring 20 points a game. It's like at one point he's leading the team as a sophomore in scoring. They're like, okay, let's walk this back. Who's he competing against? He's competing against, you know, small schools in rural North Carolina, western North Carolina. He's not in Atlanta going against 7A powerhouses that are putting, you know, that are putting kids in big programs. And really, nowadays, you got to be in the, in the, in like in the private prep school world to really be playing against the most elite. So let's be realistic with all this, and then let's let's maximize the opportunities, but let's not live vicariously through that kid. Same thing with Kilby, and I already kind of covered this. Like what what I'm going to do is not hinder her from her love for and call to missions. So we're going to other countries. We're we're sharing the gospel with other people. We're putting her. We're spending $5,000 to put her in an overseas program for six weeks as a sophomore to do everything we can to give her the opportunity to succeed and then to encourage her and to support. But also, if if at the end of that she comes back and says, you know what, I don't think foreign missions is where my heart or calling is, um, then okay, all right, that's okay. I don't think um, – Playing professional or collegiate baseball is where my calling is. Okay, all right, that's great. That's realistic. I don't think being a pastor is what I'm supposed to do. I think I'm going to go to community college and get a job welding, and uh, and 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 that's going to be enough. And I'm going to be a good daddy, and I'm going to get plugged into my local church, like figuring, helping them figure life out. But don't live vicariously through them. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's that's important, and you know, so we're driving Kilby to the airport, and I'm just thinking we already counted the cost of this when she was six and eight and ten, and we were taking her on international trips. We were fueling the fire, and in as much as we could, 
we counted the cost of raising her to love Jesus and love people, and we were we prepared our hearts to let her go. Now, you can never fully prepare for letting go, but I found that when the time comes, the Lord will give you grace, the Lord will help you. And and, and that's where I think, I don't think of letting a letting them go in those terms it's more think in terms of i'm sending them out sending them out work with the institute and the biggest hurdle we face with the institute is um parents that don't want to turn their kids loose to leave home you know man come on they they want to go spend a year in a program that's going to make them better humans but it means they're not going to sleep in their bed well they're 19 they don't need to be sleeping in their bed they need to get out and experience the world a little bit um Okay, next, uh, I've learned that we've learned that everything is relative. Everything's relative. Like I have a child that's living, to get to, to get to my child in Africa, I've got to get my passport, get a visa, get that taken care of, go to Atlanta or Washington, D.C., fly out of Dulles or fly out of Atlanta or whatever, fly somewhere through Europe and connect, Amsterdam, uh, Brussels, um, you know, someplace like that, and then fly um, down into Africa through Rwanda, going to have a connector in Rwanda, and then over into Uganda. Then once I'm there, I've got a t- 10- or 12-hour drive to get up into the northern part of the country on the border with South Sudan, and that drive is going to be rough and bumpy and rocky and brutal. It's, it's, a, it's a two-day ordeal to get there after I've done the work of getting the passport taken care of can't get there quick can't get there cheap can't jump in a car and drive there but relative to that is my other son my other child who's left home my son who's in blacksburg virginia which is five hours from here man five hours seems a long ways away till you compare it to going to africa you know and it's like okay relative to that we can jump in i I can literally go have lunch with him i could leave the house at seven in the morning Drive up there, have lunch with him, and drive back and see him. You know, it's everything's relative. If you got a kid that moved out of the house and wants to move in with some roommates and they're still in town, <laughs> like that's not a big deal. Let him let him go. It's okay. You know, uh, you got a kid that moved six hours away, eight hours away. You got a kid. Heck, you got a kid that moved to Northern California and you live in North Carolina. It's not. It could be a whole lot worse. And I think comparing ourselves to other people's situations is a healthy thing. I need even even I have to do I even do this for realizing how good we've got it with Kilby because we can talk to her on FaceTime. We can talk to her, um, you know, pretty much in real time. Um, we can text back and forth through WhatsApp. We can, man, what was it like twenty years ago when you couldn't do those things? You had to handwrite letters and wait a month for them to get there, you know, or. Or and then it was like a big deal to be able to talk to somebody on the phone. Man, go back, go back fifty years. How hard was it? We've got it good compared to parents of missionaries thirty years ago. Um, sometimes I think, man, if somebody has a child living in Western Europe or Central America, that's awesome. You could go see them. You know, you got a kid in France. You man, I can fly out of Atlanta and be in France in eight hours. That seems easy. You know, so everything's relative. But then I think. Gosh, I can talk to my kid, FaceTime my kid. I can go see him if I want to, even though she's 40 hours away and, you know, northern you got everything's relative. So sometimes comparison can be a good thing. Um, when I think about, you know, if my child lived, like if Kilby said, 
Kilby and Greg came and said, "Hey, the Lord's called us to to serve at a missionary training position in you know in in Texas." I'd be like, "This is great!" Now they're going to be in the same country. You know how amazing that would be. Um, but you want them to be in the center of the Lord's will. And the big principle here is regardless of how far away they are, if they're living in the will of the Lord, if they love Jesus, if they're following him, man, you have you have won the day as a parent. You know, you've won the prize. Um, it's good. It's a good thing. I would say to mamas, hey, you've got to give them some space, especially when they get married. Butt out of it, man. Like, don't try to control your married child's life. And now I know now I'm. I said I'm going to really target younger parents, but I'm just kind of. I also said I didn't prepare a, a real strong outline, so bear with me in this episode. Um, but man, there's there's a point to let them go. You know what I mean? Um, and so, let me go back. Let me get back on on track here for a final couple thoughts here on. I want to run the risk here of sounding like one of those movies on the Hallmark Channel or a Hallmark card or a country song, but let me give you some little, you know, some some little thoughts. Uh, live each moment to its fullest potential. Every meal, every car ride, every holiday, everything you sp- experience in life is a gift from the Lord. Just saturate yourself in that moment. I, I get tickled when I hear young moms talking about how tough it is. Oh, I got, whoo, got this four-year-old and this two-year-old, and it's tough. Listen. It is you're living in the funnest season of life right now. It is going to be way more difficult when they're 16 and 14. Trust me. This, as stressful as it feels, it, this is this is the the heyday of life. Having those little ones at home, so live every moment. A screaming, crying kid, you pause and thank the Lord that you're in that moment, experiencing that. Um. Uh, and the next thing is do things that are out of the box. They may even get other parents talking, you know. Take a different kind of vacation. Do a different kind of family outing. Um, do things that other parents would be like, say, what? You know, like, I mean, don't be reckless and don't endanger your child, but but get out of the box, man. Do some cool stuff that, that that'll create legit memories, you know what I mean? Like I remember um, doing, I remember doing a backpacking trip with Kilby and Tuck and Laylee where I had to carry Laylee and Kilby and Tuck were carrying their own backpacks and man we're living you know we're we're living out of a backpack for a few days in the mountains and it's cold I remember doing taking horses and packing in the Smokies in the park for days on a horse packing trip when they were like you know eight six and three or whatever and people are like dang is that not a little bit crazy nope it's not it's awesome um don't be scared to raise your child differently just raise them back and with conviction don't be afraid to raise them differently and to get talked about. People people used to, you know, mamas would talk about us not letting our kids date in high school. But then that's okay. We made that decision. Raise them, by, raise them with conviction and, and be driven by conviction. Now, I would say this. Don't be weird and don't teach them to be weird for no good reason. Like, don't just be weird. Don't just raise weird kids that are awkward and weird. And don't be judgmental and condescending towards other people. Like, just live your life without regret and reservation. I just one family. They're a big family, a bunch of kids. Man, it's like, I think they they got like eight kids, and they're about all raised now. And they're like all the time blasting other people. One of the, one, the oldest kid, I think it's the oldest one, one of them, I'm not on – really on social media i'm definitely on facebook 
Somebody told me you made a post the other day on Facebook. It was like, if you're on, if you've been married a year and you don't have a kid yet, then you're living in sin. Well, that's just ludicrous. So don't don't say things and be different for the sake of being weird and different and offending people. That's not what I'm saying. Um, and in that in that situation, I'm even thinking like like I have a lot. There's people that want to have a kid that can't have a kid. You know, you pray for Kilby and Greg. They the Lord's not blessed them with children yet, and they want children. And man, it's just you got to be. You got to be smart. So don't raise your kids to just be abrasive and obnoxious. With we're different. We do things different, and everybody else is wrong. Don't be weird, but be willing to be different and to do things differently, and to do it joyfully, and to not be condemning or condescending towards other people that don't get on board with the way you're doing things. I think that that's worth saying and noting. So. That's my rant. That's a forty-five minute rambling rant, man. You may, you may, you may not have made it this far, and if you have, then uh, and you're still listening, I don't know. Maybe you get something out of it. Uh, ask me some questions. Let's do a follow up to this that I prepare more, where I put more of a, you know, a, a prepared outline together. And um, that was just thoughts on my my you know three hour drive home from the airport last night, and little fell asleep for about an hour of that my mind was just going crazy. I didn't have I didn't have a podcast on I wasn't listening to the radio or music or podcast just drove in silence which I think is so healthy sometimes and that's kind of where my mind went so give me your thoughts love and appreciate you thanks for listening no sanity required means a lot to me and uh, pray for Greg and Kilby and uh, give you an update in the near future on what they're doing over there and uh, and and the ministry that God's got them involved in and and the work that he's doing through them. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at swoutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.